It'll probably take like a day to respond. He takes a while. Does he? His girlfriend's a, an Olympic sharp, sharpshooter also. Uh, Olympic sharpshooter? Yeah. Yeah. Imagine that, like shooting guns for, for a living. Yeah, That's I know. Kind of like it's saying. All right, let's get going. Get in the hole! Welcome into the Get in the Hole podcast, the only podcast in America where two handsome men get to chat about golf and talk about how bad the New York Mets are. It's kind of nice being on a underground sports Philadelphia podcast as two Mets fans and get to talk about how bad they were last night as I'm sitting there at City Field and I'm watching this uh, this dilapidation unfold, a one-hitter at the hands of Joe Musgrove and the Padres. Uh, I get a notification that I have a fantasy hockey draft. And so I'm like, you know what? Screw this. I'm so I'm so bored. I'm going to draft in this league. And I had the entire section helping me draft. I go, who should I take? And everyone's like yelling names and stuff. I'm in the middle of the 500s, all the way in the rafters. It was a great time, but the Mets just absolutely suck. What a hell, what a horrific, horrific way to end a, a hundred one game year. And I know KB is gonna is gonna hear this in post and be laughing his ass off. Uh because our lives are miserable, and the Phillies are right Octobering the, their way to go play the Braves. Hopefully, they get swept. What do you feel about it? Well, first of all, I can't wrap my my mind around the fact that you said two handsome men. There's clearly only one handsome man here. That's the first thing. Uh, number two. Thank you. No, not you. Not you. Uh, well, there's one handsome guy. There's one strong guy. So pick your poison. No, no, there's. there's there's a handsome and strong guy, meaning me. All right. Ben is on mute. It's been a great day. Finally back in the seat. It's been a, a long two-week hiatus. Um, fortunately, had some uh, some family matters to attend to. Uh, but now I am back, back in the seat. And, of course, the week, the week I come back is the week, well, the week prior, that – who might be slowly becoming one of my like favorite international golfers is just going off two starts. Well, sorry, four starts, two wins and is one only next to tiger woods to have two wins on the PGA tour prior to the eight of 21. That's Thomas, the dank engine, Thomas Kim walks in to the Shriners hospital for children's open. Also a mouthful name to say, at TBC Summerlin in Vegas, he hits sevens and he manages to take home the win, beating out Patrick Cantlay by three strokes. Ben, what a week for Tom Kim. He was incredible. I mean, he was the first player since 2019. Uh, that's That other player was JT Post at the Wyndham to post a bogey-free week. Pretty insane. That's really hard. I'm actually pretty surprised. Um that another bogey-free tournament was as recent as the Wyndham Championship roughly three years ago. Yeah. Um, I mean, that just shows how good professional golfers are. Uh, but no, but he had a, a fantastic week. He was, obviously, as we said before, didn't have a bogey for the entire week. His driving distance was just a shade under 300 yards total. Driving accuracy for the week was seventy, just over 73%. Greens and reg, 87.5% for the week. Um, he's the first player since Tiger to win two PGA Tour events before turning 21 years old, uh, according to like I said. 
according to ESPN. <laughs> That's fine. I'm just going to – We're just starting gonna, early. We're starting early, folks. No, 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 no. It's fine. It's fine. You know, look, I'm going to just absolutely roast you in a, in a couple takes, in a couple uh, whatever. I've been gone for two weeks. What, what could I have possibly done here? Oh, no. Just, just remember, Stephen. Just remember. Remember everything that you say. Oh, everything. I'm so excited. From back in February, I remember everything. Back in February. Yeah. Oh, see now he's now he's like, what did, what did I say? What did I say? No, I, dude. I. You don't see? No, 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 no. It's my turn to talk. It's my turn to talk. I don't know what I had for lunch yesterday. Well, it doesn't surprise me at all. Um, but yes, as I was so rudely interrupted by my co-host, Tom Kim played fantastic, and I did say last week. He is on the verge of essentially superstardom. He's a fantastic player. He looks like he's 12 years old, by the way, in his PJ Tour profile picture, which is pretty funny. Um, but, yeah, no, fantastic player. So happy for him. He got the win. Uh, Patrick Cantlay, oh, gosh, he was my pick. I believe he was my pick last week. Was yeah. he? He was my pick. He was my pick to win, and he was so close, and he tripled 18. Yeah, I I mean I I'll say this about uh, Tom Kim. First of all, uh, has been on fire since uh, since the Wyndham last year. Again, four starts, two wins. It, it, it's very few guys in their entire career can ever say, "Oh, I'm 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 posting a 500 average when it comes to uh, playing in golf tournaments." Not even that though. Like his actual like his scores in general. In PGA Tour events, obviously there's the win. There's the win here. He's had a few events um, on the PGA Tour, but as a full-time member of the tour, uh, has had. Let's see here, a seventh-place finish, a first-place finish, a missed cut, and now a win. So he has two wins under the belt. Absolutely insane. But like we said, nothing more. I guess like not 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 even impressive, but um, I guess depressing. As Tom Kim's win was Cantley's triple on the 18th. You want there was a lot like again when Liv isn't involved, golf kind of gets swept under the rug a lot of times in sports, particularly like now with the playoffs and baseball happening and hockey season's coming back and basketball is going to be back and the NFL's in full swing. Golf's not really like on the table at this point, also because it's, it's it's the whole wraparound year and everyone's kind of getting ready um, for January. But, like, there was a, a solid stir on Twitter concerning his the three options that Cantley could have done to have avoided this. First of all, he, to even make triple, he, he, he had to nail a 36-footer, which was the longest putt he made the entire week, which is kind of like, it's one of those things, like, the one putt where you give the less shits about, you happen to make it, which happened to me, like, four times on, on the course yesterday. But, yeah, just... And, Awful decision making, some really bad lies, and a total implosion to literally lose by three strokes thanks to your triple. Not fun. Yeah. By the way, you were on the course yesterday. So wait, wait, wait. You were on the course yesterday, and then you went to a Mets game. So you, so you literally could not. I hope you broke the course record because you couldn't get the friggin' outline to me until late morning today. Yeah. So, uh, so what happened was. Um, I'll, I'll try and make it quick. You uh, eight million, eight eight fifty tea time uh, out at Cherry Creek. Went out with John. Um, 
frost delay for an hour and a half. Didn't get out there until about 10, 15. So I woke up at the crack ass of dawn to go all the way to Riverhead. Now, again, I live in Queens now. So it's like a, it's a pain in the ass to, to get there. Go all, go all the way there. Had no breakfast. Frost delay for an hour and a half. All right, fine. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. I go and get an egg sandwich. I come back. I managed to basically practice for like an hour and like 10 minutes. I finally uh, get on the course. I completely shank my three wood first hole. Um, I stretched just an awful snap hook that went so far, so far OB. First three holes, I started double, quad, triple. Just because I, I couldn't figure out my tee shot whatsoever. Finally, get, finally got into a rhythm, had two straight pars, and then basically bogeyed out. I shot a 91. Pretty like now again, I have not golfed in about a month and a half, almost two months. <laughs> just because just because of work and like getting like everything in order, I just have not been able to play. So to go out and shoot as well as I did, I'm shocked. To took me three holes though to adjust. But on the bright side though. I one putted the first three holes where I did admit did did have have those awful scores. So really, the, the putter was on, was on fire all day. I just I just find it so hilarious that you say you shanked your three with a number one, which by the way, number one is wide open. Uh, this, this was the woods course, so it was so it was um. Oh I, my god, that court that's still open. Come on, and then and but you say you shanked it. But you snap hooked it left. Yeah, it, it it was like a low line drive, and it had almost no height on it. That a shank is to the right, though. You hooked it. Oh yeah, sorry, I I, I hooked it. Jesus Christ! This is my co-host, everybody. Golf podcast co-host doesn't know the difference between a, between a duck hook and a shank. Sorry. One time, one time. But yes, following that, it took, it took six hours to play this round of golf. We, we, we were behind the slowest group on the freaking planet. Um, so, so it took us literally six hours to get through 18. Uh, and then finally we managed to I, – I literally got home around like 4 o'clock. And then my friend texted me, hey, ha, I, I, I have a ticket to the game. Let's go. So I got back in my car and I drove to the train, went. So basically I, I was in the car for like 80% of the day. And I was driving anyways, so no, I was not able to get you the show um, on time. But mm. yeah, that was my day in a nutshell. But let, let's just keep on tr trying to trudge through this because we're going to keep on getting sidetracked. I, I almost know it. Um, some highlights at the Shriners. Despite Cantlay shooting, having that awful implosion on 18 on Sunday, did almost manage to shoot 59. He parred the final hole, capped off an incredible day. Uh, a 60 for him. Low scores abound. I have not looked into the numbers here, but uh, there are 12 scores of 63 or lower. I feel like that has to be something considerable in terms of the actual like record book. Uh, granted, no one's going to be shooting like super, super, super low, but that's an average. That's an average round round of nine under. It's pretty damn good. Uh, I believe if you add in 64s and 65s, the number implodes up to about 20. So very low scores this week at the Shriners. Tends to be a pretty gettable course. Um, probably also one of the more underrated and nicer courses on the PGA Tour schedule, in my opinion. Um, TBC Summerlin. So really good, uh, really good stuff there. Moving on, though, a topic that I have been eyeing for probably about a week now. 
John Rahm walked into the Spanish Open in a loaded European European tour schedule, dominated everybody, and got his third his third Spanish Open win, joining his um, Spaniard co-star Sebi Ballesteros as two of the best Spanish players of all time. Now jumps into literally the top echelon uh, of Spanish players. I'm thinking after a good, not great, year this past season, is this win possibly the the start of seeing the resurgent year of John Rahm getting back into a possible number one spot in the world? You might be, and this is where my beef is with you for this show. You might be the most, the biggest John Rahm hater of all time. Like you're, you literally just made it seem like he just imploded all of 2022 and had an awful year. Like you're acting like he's not in the the upper echelon of the PGA. No, he Tour. is. He is. He every event he plays in, he has a solid chance to win. That's how good he is. No, I know and, that. No, 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 no. I'm just going to remind you on February seventh. 2022. My God. Steven. My birthday. That was your birthday? Day after. Oh. Don't change the subject. Steven said that John Rom did not have the clutch gene. For those of you wondering, that's episode 45. If and actually, I don't even were you guys on YouTube at that point? I don't know. Probably not. Oh my gosh. I wish, I wish, I hope you guys recorded it somewhere with my reaction when he said that. I know I have it somewhere on my phone. Steven uttered the words, John Rom does not, is not clutch or John Rom does not have the clutch gene, even though he already won the US, he already won the US Open. So John Rom is going to have another great year this year on the PGA Tour. In my opinion, he is going to be the best Spanish-born golfer in the history of golf when it's all said and done. I truly believe that. And, that is, possible. and that is no disrespect to the great Sevi Ballesteros. He was, I mean, he was amazing. He The shots that he would pull off out of nowhere, I personally believe when it's all said and done, John Rome be the best Spanish-born golfer in the history of golf. But, Stephen, you have to stop acting like this guy just – All right. Give, give the I, man I, respect. It's unbelievable. I am not saying he is not a good golfer. I'm saying for John Rom's standards, he did not have an incredible year. And no, to be, to be totally honest with you, he does not have that clutch gene. He won the U. Oh my God, he won the U.S. Open. Are you kidding me? Congratulations! <laughs> you're like you're literally acting like that's something to scoff at. No, I'm not saying it's something to scoff at. I'm saying there have been a ton of players to win the U.S. Open. Danny Willett has won a major. Like we're, I'm not trying to say that that winning a major isn't impressive by any means. But for the number one player in the world to have back-to-back years of only one win, I'm not interested yet. But at the same time, though, in his last two events, he's finished tied for second at, at, at the BMW PGA in Europe. 
and now has won this event. So there's an inkling that I'm saying, hey, he actually might be, he will get back to that number one placement in the world. He's currently at five. He doesn't really have a lot of, well, actually, really, really, he's at four because Cameron Smith is gone. Um, but couldn't beat Cantlay in the, in the tour championship. Now he's got a shot to be better than him again. He's behind Cantlay, he's behind McElroy, and Scotty Scheffler. I don't think Scotty's going to put up another five-win performance. Uh, that, that's something that's like unheard of if you're on Tiger Woods. So there's there's room for regression at some point. I think Rory's going to be Rory's going to be the same player he he's always been for the last I don't know three four years where he's he's constantly consistent and now has gotten this now kick of of wins. I think John Rahm's got more got more of a shot. I'm not saying he is not a bad player by any means, but for his standards for his standards of golf. He's had three straight years of only having one win. Now, look, it's great to finish top 10 every week. You're going to make a lot of money. You're going to have a lot of points. But what good is finishing top 10 every single week if you can't get a win? Not to mention, his one win last year was the Mexico Open with the third lowest quality strength strength of field. Like, what good is that? He waltzed in, and his, and his, and his biggest, biggest competitor was Corey Connors, who can't fucking put a ball. I'm serious. Like, the, oh, my God. Patrick Cantlay has had four times the number of wins that John Rahm's had on the PGA Tour in the last two years. Like, someone explained to me how it's so ridiculous. Yeah, he's, a, he's most certainly a top 10 player in the world. But he still has not gotten to that point, and he's still beaten subpar fields anyways. The Spanish Open had a loaded European field, but no PGA Tour players. The BMW PGA had, actually was a very good field. And outside of that, the U.S. Open is the only is the only really really hardcore amazing event that he's won. All right, and, I'm, I'm, no, 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 I'm pulling up all of his wins right now. And he, and he, probably, and he would have won the he would have won the won the Memorial to his credit had he not gotten COVID, which is a whole different problem because that was an awful ruling. Can I have him play? Okay, okay, okay. Look, he has had at least one win every single PGA Tour season, just on the PGA Tour alone, in the last six years. Okay, he has seven career wins, one of them being a major. Should be eight. We both agree on that. I'm just going to Google what his wins are right now. We are doing this. We're doing this right now. Wikipedia. That's reputable enough. The U.S. Open. I don't know why why they have him at, at one in the. I'm looking okay. at the uh, World, World Golf Rankings. I, I don't know why they have him listed as first for the Memorial. Okay. Are you ready? Are you ready? Yeah, I'm. I'm waiting on you. All right. Farmers Insurance Open. That's a big one. Career Builder Challenge. That's a pretty good tournament. Zura Classic, that was a partner one. We can agree to that's fine. Yeah, toss it. Wonky event, whatever. Then he went Memorial, BMW, US Open. Impressive. Fine. That was that was what, 2020? 2020 and then 2021 US Open. And fine. he and then he would have had back-to-back memorial tournaments, actually. Yes. By eight going. So and he also beat Tony Finau in the Mexico Open. So let's not act like nobody played in the Mexico Open this past year. He beat Tony Finau. Tony Finau won twice this year. 
And and Tony Finau was playing what kind of golf at that point? Because the last time I checked, he didn't actually make a splash the entire year until until he went to Minnesota for the 3M and then had like four straight top top threes. See, no, no, this is what you do though. You literally sit here and you're like, you're like, oh, what did he do? He finished he finished tied for a second in the PJ Tour event. I I'm just saying for somebody who is a number one player in the world, sometimes finishing top two isn't necessarily enough sometimes. Oh my god. I think he's. A, I'm pretty sure he's had like 25 top tens in the last three years. And you're acting like that's something to scoff at. Convert him to wins. Oh my god! You do realize Tiger Woods won 25 percent of his starts. He's yes. the best to ever do it. He's what won 25 percent of his starts. I'm not denying the the obscene, ridiculous parody that, that there is in golf. Because really, when you think about it, outside of these like fall events where it's a lot more. Corn Ferry Tour players, I, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 guys have have, have a legit shot to win every single week. Even the guys who can't putt, like Corey Connors, has a legit, has a legit chance every week. I'm not saying he's bad, but he should be able to convert more of these more of these top tens into top fives and top threes than wins. That's the way I see it. I don't think it's super challenging for John Rahm to get me two more strokes. We always talk about how at the tour final that a two-stroke lead can go away in a, can, can go away in a heartbeat. Not even from, from your own mistakes, but from everyone else around you. Why can't John Rahm get me two more strokes uh, on an event? Or, or you know what? Even better, bogey avoidance. Just avoid two bogeys. It's as easy as that, in my opinion. No, and look, I'm no pro, and I can get and I can get so much shit for it. Totally fine. At the end of the day, I'm just, I'm some fat dude in his apartment who literally shoots 95 golf. <laughs> I'm like a 20 handicap. Fine. <laughs> but but this opinion that I just absolutely demolished John Rahm and every. Facet of his life. You are so disrespectful to him. Oh my God. You show him no respect. And you know what? You know what I hope? I hope that this podcast becomes big. And I hope that we get John Rahm on here because I really want you. I, I would love for you to sit there in front of your very professional setup, mind you. That's a very, actually, it's a very, very, very professional setup. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's a, I wish my setup was that good. You dingus. I'm not a dingus. You're a dingus. He said he didn't have the clutch gene, and he won the U.S. Open. You asked me how to spell intrigue just now with an I or an E. I don't want to hear it. What does that have to do with anything? <laughs> you can't spell. You went, to, you went to grad school for journalism. I was a finance major. I didn't read a book. I didn't read anything in college. Dude, I, I basically wasted $20,000 to go to grad school. Did you okay. get a right? Okay. Well, I already got a right. Blah, 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 blah. Regardless. I would love nothing more than to have John Rom as a third person and even have KB just as a spectator. Oh, my God. And just watch you guys go back and forth. I would love to hear you say the, the things to his – that stuff to his face. I would love to hear what he has to say about it. All right. So long story short, we think this is going to be a resurgence after finishing T2 and getting a win at the Spanish Open. We think John Rom's back. Fully well, there is back. No he was never gone. There you go. He was never gone. Tiger Woods is not in the initial field for the Hero World Challenge, his own personal event that takes place down in Florida. 
there's been speculations. We know since 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 the surgery way back in what February that it was, played the Masters, played um, at the Open. Said going to take on a modified sort of schedule to fit his needs. Do we think him not participating in his own event kind of speculates the fact that yeah he's going to take the Byron Nelson move and only play majors probably for the rest of his career? Or will he actually wind up playing other events at some point? The Hero World Challenge isn't anything um, insane. It's more of an exhibition than, than it actually is anything else. There's only 20 offers in the field anyways. It's more of a charity event. Um, granted, you do get official World Cup, World, World Cup ranking points, but at the same time, do we think this means anything? Uh, personally, no. I This is just my opinion. I don't really expect much from Tiger moving forward. My only, I guess, expectation you can say is that he just plays the majors. Um, now, look, that being said, the further down the line you are from an injury, the easier it is to play, Yeah. right? Uh, but at the same time, he's had numerous surgeries, very serious. I mean, not just the whole car accident. That's complete. That's, that's unbelievably horrific yeah uh, it's like that's a catastrophic injury but i mean i think he's had four or five back surgeries he's had numerous knee surgeries i think two ankle surgeries those add up and you can't really sit there and i really expect much from tiger i think when he plays it would be great just to see him play because everybody just wants to watch him even yeah. though let's be real we know he's he's never going to win again He's not. Um, I mean, look, maybe if he played the senior tour, would I think he also has too much pride for that as well. Um, Probably. I, I, that's just personally what I think. I mean, who knows? Maybe he'd like it. They get to take carts at those. Uh, so who knows? But <laughs> no, I'm serious. Um, but be uh, Tiger and Bernard Langer every week and VJ. But to be honest, like, and that's no disrespect to Tiger. I'm just saying, like, I really just think, like, you eat. We can't expect much from him because prior to all of these surgeries that he had, even in like 2012, 2013, he was only playing like 16 events, I think. Yeah. He wasn't playing that much. And then all of those back surgeries happened and then that horrific car crash. You can't expect much from him. And it's sad because golf needs Tiger. We do. We need Tiger. Um, but at the same time, it's it's just not realistic. It's not. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing to expect from him. I, I wouldn't say. I think this is more a a implication of um, he's still recovering. Obviously, uh, I don't think he'll play the Hero World Challenge, but he will wind up playing the PNC with Charlie. It's just, yeah. it kind of seems like, like it, it's going to happen, um, considering he even did it last year, and it and it seemed like how the hell is he doing this? But he managed to do it, do it anyways. Um, so he'll certainly play that, which I believe it is in the same month, or if not in January, or actually it's like around the same time span. I believe it's in December. So he'll wind up playing that. Um, will he probably play the Masters? Probably. I, I'm going to hope so. Um, at the very least, you'll, you'll, you'll – yes, golf needs Tiger, but I think also at the same time, though, he already has his place in golf. Mm. Um, he'll be at every major. He's probably going to join a in a advisory role of some sort once he does choose to hang it up, um, whether that be under Jay Monahan or somebody else, hopefully not Jay Monahan, um, he'll have some. He'll have somewhere to go. Um, 
it's very clear already with his new venture now with Roy McIlroy that he's going to be a face of golf forever. Um, he's going to basically be more of what Jack, Nich- Jack Nicholas was, and actually even more than that, considering Jack didn't do um, nearly nearly as much as, as going to be put on Tiger's shoulders. In terms of playing the majors, maybe if he can even like attempt it, I think it's maybe it's too it's too soon to tell for the legacy of Arnold Palmer. You play around a Bay Hill. Even if you withdraw, you're you're still there. You're showing face. You play. Mm-hmm. Maybe you go play the memorial. You go play J- Jack's course. You, you hang out with Jack. Just like, have fun. At this point, like like his career is already so solidified, and the the expectation of anybody to ever think, oh, he has to go for eighty three. No, because to be honest with you, I don't, I don't think he ever will. No, and that's no knock to him. I simply think there's no way on earth someone can have his his lower body beaten up to the point. Basically, it's at this point like like it's mangled. It's go, it's gone. Um, I'm almost shocked he has a lower torso. At this point, let like let it go. Uh, he's probably on supplemental pe- uh, painkillers to no end to even go out there and play golf that you don't even see. So I think this means a lot more than just a him not playing. I do think this does mean uh, the end is near. You know what? Maybe a senior tour spot will, will be fun. Granted, I don't know if. Uh, the tour gives exceptions because uh, I, I know the ruling is you have to be 50 years old. He has still has four years to go. Maybe they give him a, uh, a exemption and let them go play. It, w- it would seem pretty fun that it could be Langer and VJ and him and Patrick Harrington. And, and maybe John Daly comes back and, all, and all, all of a sudden it's like the mid nineties all, all over again. I think it'd be pretty fun. One thing though, that, that will happen and that you will see probably for the next 40 years until he dies uh, Zach Johnson, captain of the Ryder Cup team and personal friend of Ben Piero here, has said, in fact, Tiger will have a role in the Ryder Cup next year as they go to Rome. It'll certainly happen that a Tiger will be some will be some leadership role for years and years and years to come, just as Steve Stricker is, just as Fred Couples is, and the like. Uh, do we think anything of this more than it being a legacy play and having Tiger be there? Um, does it mean... Possibly more captaincies in the future. Captaincies for who? Like being the captain of the Ryder Cup team, or even oh. the President's President Cup team, in years and years and years down the line. Well, no, Tiger was the captains of the President's Cup uh, when they were in Australia. Correct yeah. if I'm wrong. Yeah. So, look, number one, Zach Johnson. I don't personally know Zach Johnson. We just work with the same instructor. Oh, okay. Uh, whoops. I just I don't want people to be like, oh, <laughs> well, Zach. Hey, look, bro, if you're listening and want to come on, please let us know. We'll uh, we'll chat you up. Yeah, we, no, we can do that. Um, <laughs> no, but look, I think Tiger's going to be number one. Yes, he's go. He's probably going to be like a vice captain of some sort, whatever that term is. He'll probably yeah. be like an an assistant to uh, Zach. Um, obviously look, they have played together before, uh, they were kind of in that same similar generation. Zach ended up getting on tour a little, probably actually, this is crazy. I think it was probably eight, eight years after, uh, Tiger ended up getting on the PGA tour. Zach got on the PGA tour. I think Zach got on tour in 2004. I will fact check you right now on that. I think it was 2004. He was at the minimum on the nationwide tour. That was, at the, that was the, that's at the minimum he was on the nationwide tour in 2004. Um, but look, th- those guys have been around forever. They've had some great tournaments together. 
Um, if you remember Zach Johnson's hole out actually at the Hero World Challenge where he hits it in the water for a second shot. This was back at um, some place as a kind of course in Thousand Oaks, California. Zach ended up dropping in the drops and he holds his wet shot out for par. Um, I believe it was. They, those two go way back. They have great respect for one another. Yes, like Tiger will be Tiger will be involved in every single President Cup, President's Cup or Ryder Cup. I personally believe going forward, even if he is not the captain. Yeah, per se, um, he has a presence. He's well respected. Uh, you know, he's well liked by players. I mean, those the players like. Max Homa or uh, Jordan Spieth or Justin Thomas, they grew up watching Tiger. Yeah. You know, and so they they still idolize him. So he commands respect in a room. Um, and just by having him on like a staff, that gives whoever the actual captain is more credibility as well. Yeah, absolutely. And also, um, you're absolutely spot on there. Tiger turned pro in 96. Zach Johnson uh, won the Buy.com tour, which is also called the NHY tour um, back then, uh, and turned pro in, in 04 and also won the Masters back in 07. So, yeah, look at that. You were on the money today, Ben Piero. I am on the money. You know, well, I, I did talk. Uh, it's funny. I did talk to Mike Bender about like Zach's career. And I was, because, yeah, he, he turned pro. He played professionally for a little bit. And yeah, like, like he. He turned pro technically in 97, so, like, there was a long time coming for that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, I think he played on Corn – whatever the equivalent of the Corn Ferry Tour was at that time. Didn't play well. And I think that end of that year, he started working with Mike. And, uh, yeah, his career took off after that. But, anyway, that's a, another story for another day if we ever well, get Mike Bender on the show. Or Zach. Johnson. I mean, I, I would also love to have uh, have Mike on. But, Tiny Capacity, speaking of the Corn Ferry Tour – there's been some updates, some purses, some playoffs, and some promos, some fun little upgrades to the Corn Ferry Tour coming in 2023. Well, still, still, 22, still 22, but 22 and beyond. Uh, starting with some purse sizes, I know you've been a big proponent of advocating for, uh, for player rights, I guess you could say, on the Corn Ferry Tour and lower levels. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's been a $1 million minimum purse now, which has been upped. Um, $180,000 will go to every single winner of every event. Beginning at the end of the year, they're going to implement a playoff system now. It used to only be uh, the Corn Ferry Tour Championship, which was a, it was essentially basically a, a loaded field of every guy who lost their tour card, yep. every single guy who wants their tour card, and it's like, oh, you got to finish at, at some point um, high enough to earn it back. Uh, now they're going to actually finally implement a playoff, playoff system and actually boost the number of guys that do make it. So a four-event playoff with the fourth event being the top 75 players going to the Corn Ferry Tour Championship. Uh, it goes, goes top 156 to 144 to 120 all the way down to 75. Uh, and then 30 PGA Tour cards will be handed out, five from uh, at least five from the traditional Q school setup, and then t- 10 or more from the European Tour side. The rest will come from those Corn Ferry Tour players. What do we make of the new changes here for the Corn Ferry Tour? What does it mean for the growth of both golf as a whole, but also this sub-tour to continue to pipe in more and more talent uh, to the PGA ranks? Okay, so I think the changes are interesting. There are some that I like. There are some that I don't. Look, I 
yes, the winners should be making more money. Obviously, I think one hundred eighty thousand dollars. I think. I still think. I mean, people want the PGA Tour wants you to believe that the Corn Ferry Tour is the second best tour on the planet. In my opinion, it's not. But for those of you out there that think it is, it's still, in my opinion, kind of insulting the fact that you only get one hundred eighty thousand dollars for winning. Oh yeah. That, that, and look, I get it. Like. Some people are probably going to sit there and be like, Ben, you're ridiculous. That's greedy, whatever. Well, if you want to be the second best tour on the planet, you have to treat your players like it's the second best tour on the planet. That's my first gripe. Um, I think it is interesting, though, the fact that uh, more FedEx Cup style um, uh, like season, if you will. Yeah. Um, because generally, if you didn't finish – I believe in the top hundred on the money list, you immediately lost your card and you'd have to go. I know, I know someone who I believe finished outside the top hundred on their loan in their loan season. He played in the wraparound year when the COVID happened, they made the 2020 and 2021 like wraparound years. He played, finished outside the top hundred, I believe, and had to go all the way back to first stage mm-hmm. for corn for for corn fairy tour school. Think about that. You go all the way back to first stage. That that is like crazy to me. So I do like the fact that you know you can finish literally 156 and still get into their playoff format and still essentially salvage your season if you do play well. I do like that. Um, I like you know how they're in- increasing the number of PGA Tour cards, which is up from 125. I like how they're using the 10 from the European tour, um, at least five from their traditional Q school. I have two two gripes with this. Well, with some of the changes. Number one, I still do not – I really – I'm beginning – and this is spoken from a Corn Ferry tour player's mouth himself who I will not mention, he goes, I do not understand why these college kids out of college are getting their, are getting their, this PGA Tour U thing. They're right out of college. A lot of Corn Prairie Tour players think that that is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing. The second thing, which I think is completely ridiculous. Now, if you go the PGA Tour Canada or Latin America route, in the past, it would be top five on the money list, which was already com- ridiculously stingy, mind you. Um, get their Corn Ferry Tour card. Now, if you go that route, you have to finish first on the money list just to get your Corn Ferry Tour card. If you finish two through five, you go to third stage of Q School. If you finish six through 10, you go to second stage. It is hard enough to make money on those tours as it is. It's actually impossible. Yeah. If you really look at the finance, the finances behind it, the expenses, it's impossible. That is something that needs to change. And that is also something that is considered to be ridiculous. It is thought to be ridiculous by, by Corn Ferry Tour players themselves. I have spoken to n- numerous Corn Ferry Tour players about that. Well, like, I, I know in terms of the, the PGA Tour you set up, I mean, 
not to advocate for it because I do believe that there is what at least five times more golfers trying to go through the um, traditional uh, lower level tours like yourself to then get to Q school to then get to the KFT and then try and move up. But at the same time, though, the PGA Tour, you guys have been pretty successful. I mean, not for nothing, uh, Justin Suh has gone through the PGA Tour. You ranks has gotten there. Cole Hammer's getting there as well. Um, the Cooties are going are gonna to go. Sam Bennett looks like one of the best players in the world already uh, at only 19. Um, Austin Greaser has met better than A lot of these amateurs that you do see play in majors who managed to make the cut and play really well uh, kind of show that they have the the likes to do it. Even now, like Austin Eckro is one of the newer guys on tour, as we mentioned a few weeks ago, coming in that come that's come through the, these ranks too. Travis Vick from from uh, UT Austin finished better than than I believe like eight or nine guys uh, at the U.S. Open at, at at the Country Club. So there's there's give or take to it. Although I do agree that there should be more um, strict qualifications for those guys, being that there should be a a defining line between the college golfer going pro and the lower level pro golfer trying to go to the biggest level of the pros. I feel like there's, there's disparity there that has to get figured out. Otherwise everything else makes sense. The one thing I'm curious though, and they haven't talked about it much at all is that the playoff format in the past, again, this corn Ferry tour final has always been the top 175, essentially. So, so, so sorry, the top 75 versus the top 120 to 200 of the PGA tour who, who lose their card and didn't even qualify for the playoffs. So like, where do those guys now fit into the equation? How, how do they get that, get their card back? Do they still have to finish within the number or is it going to be that same top ones, top 75, and they're just going to add the next add at add, add 75 more to the back end? I don't really know. We'll see that that's still kind of to be determined and we'll, and we'll have to figure out where that goes in the future. But for now, the corn Ferry tour is at least making some strides to try and push for some more parity within their own league uh, and get some more names getting up to the ranks sooner rather than later. We're going to take a short break. It's already been 40 minutes down. We probably have 40 more to go. We're bringing down the Zozo Championship. We're going all the way to Japan for this week on the PGA Tour. We'll be right back here on the Get in the Hole podcast. Top bins, top tier commentary. Top drawer, upper 90. You already down. know. <laughs> you it's already know. I think that's we, how it always goes. Like, like 45 like, minutes, and we're at like Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> Um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I am Matt Kessler. And we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today. Hey, it's Top Ben's time. What's up? We're back. Sometimes we all just need to wind down after a long day of enjoying our favorite sports teams go to work. And with the rise of streaming platforms, 
new TV shows and movies are popping up every single week, and it might be overwhelming not knowing exactly what to watch. Well, that's where streamer season comes in. The exclusive streaming platform discussion podcast for TV and movies on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Join me, KB, and a plethora of our hosts right here at USP breaking down all the new TV and movies that you guys should be watching across all the various streaming platforms that are available to the masses. Catch us on streamer season wherever you get your podcasts. We all know the traditional big four sports and we have our favorite teams and enjoy them each and every week during their seasons. But what if I told you the fastest growing sport on two feet doesn't involve football, baseball, basketball, or hockey. Come join me, Dom Ponteri, and Harrison Kremens as we break down the sport of the future each and every week on the Outside the Box podcast, talking all things pro and college lacrosse right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Tour goes to Japan for the Zozo Championship. Steve McAvoy and Ben Piero here to break it all down with you. Ben, we're going to jump right into the good stuff. We're pulling the book out. It's time for some Ben's book action here on the Zozo Championship. Break it all down. What do we have to know as we go way, 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 way far away from Las Vegas and find our way in Chiba, Japan? Okay. So I hate to break it to everybody. Did not get a chance to really look at this part. Um, so there's not really no bends. Well, you know, because it took Stephen forever to send me the stuff that was necessary uh, to look for this. So it's really his fault. Look at that. Anyway, all right. Um, can you still see me? I see you. Okay, good. You see my beautiful face? Great. Shut the hell up. No, not doing it. Um, so this is the... For- this article that I'm referencing is the first look Zozo Championship from PGTour.com, written by Adam Stanley. As per usual, I always say he does a fantastic job. This article is no exception. So um, he talks about the course, uh, which is the host course is Accordia Golf uh, Narashino Country Club. Um, quote, this, co- uh, this course is, quote, a par 70 of this God. Quote. <laughs> the English language is hard, guys. What's that? The English language is a challenging thing, right? Jesus, God. I mean, I couldn't. I, I <laughs> not knees before. What am I doing? It All could, right. It, it could be worse. We could literally be speaking Japanese right oh now. Oh, gosh. It's been a long, it's been a long day. Uh, I was like, it's 5.30. Um, so this course is a par 70, which... And it's only a little over 7,000 yards, which sounds short in the scorecard, but the fact that it is a par 70 actually makes it effectively play longer. Uh, supposedly there's been roughly 40 yards added uh, to the official scorecard uh, at this course. Um, and it's actually a 36-hole um, golf club, which is located in Chiba, Japan. Uh, it was opened in 1965. And it is it was designed by Shinya Fujita. Um, and according to Adam Stanley, quote unquote, it's a stunning Parkland layout, end quote. So I really just tried to summarize his article. 
Uh, if you want to go check it out, the link in, on YouTube will be in the description. Um, but this is a fantastic event. It's only 78 players, no cut. So it kind of gives you that WGC feel um, where everybody makes money. Everybody makes earns FedEx Cup points just by playing all four rounds. Um, I believe Tiger Woods ended up winning this event, although at that, that year it was located in the U.S. due to COVID. Correct me Indeed. if I'm wrong. Uh, yeah. Well, well Cantlay won in 2020 when it was due to COVID. Woods won in 2019, I believe. Oh, so it was not. Oh, so he went. He, he was. That was in Japan. I think it was. I I'll have to uh, double check and look back into that. But at, at that point, it's it, it, it's T's and P's. Um, while you failed to record some things, partially on, on my fault, uh, I'll break down. So I'll 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 kind of de- delve more into your uh, your part here. Some stats to look out for that are going to be really important here. Um, of course, stroke and approach is naturally one of the hardest things to do uh, on tour. It's also the most important things. Uh, on tour every week for winners. Um, good drives gained. Uh, Narajino Golf Club, tree line course, not very link style, much like you see across Japan. Very similar, actually, to what we, what we saw at the Olympics. And again, they played here last year as well. So not many things have changed. Um, and again, prior to Hideki Matsuyama winning here, yes, Tiger Woods did come here and win back in 2019. Um, keeping the ball in the fairway, playing intelligent, strokes gain approach, really important. So good drives gained. Uh, Strokes game putting, it's a, it's a bent grass course. Ironically, Japan isn't very known in terms of having a lot of like deviating grasses. Um, a lot of it is really just bent grass through and through. They don't really have a super hot and dry season. It's more so um, watching out for the monsoon season. So the bent grass is going to be, be really important here. It's been raining like hell uh, it, in Japan. So that's certainly something to look at. So bent grass, um, very saturated. Ball will be sitting a lot. So, so we'll be looking forward to that as well as some long players with that ball sitting up and, and sitting immediately on the fairway. It'll just get planted. Uh, in terms of the actual layout of the course, we're going to talk a little talk a little about this in our prop bets. Um, really fascinating. There are five par threes and three par fives. Very different uh, from what you usually see, where typically the par 70 and par 71 courses usually just, just lack uh, a par five and just give you a par four. Um, this is literally just flipping the script, basically, and giving you far more par threes uh, than you usually see on tour. So something to look at. A lot of scoring is going to be within those ranges, and about every single hole is about 180 to 220 yards. So looking at, at those scores will be important. Uh, birdie or better gain. So opportunities really to find your way. Proximity to the hole also kind of factor into this uh, as well. But being able to get a good proximity, find your birdie, hopefully make your putt. Um, and, yeah, that's really the, the big the big numbers to look at here. The final thing that I found really interesting about Narajino Country Club. Now, uh, looking back to the, to the Olympics, right? Uh, this was about, well, I think a year to two, two, uh, two years ago. When Xander Schauffele won. Uh, a lot of courses in Japan, like I said, tree-lined. But something that I'm really interested in is the travel. A lot of guys complained and had problems with, during the Olympic season, I believe the event prior was on the East Coast. Granted, this event is on the West Coast. And last year, the um, the CJ Cup at Summit was the was the week after the Zozo. It'll be the, sorry, it was was the week prior to the Zozo. It's now the week after, but that event was also played in Vegas. But twelve to seventeen hours on average is your typical flight time to Japan. So a lot of these guys are going to be quite jet lagged. 
You're also going on the exact opposite schedule of the world. So obviously where we are, let's say 9 p.m. Eastern local time, they're almost 24 hours behind us. So you're literally flipping your your entire schedule around to try and uh, make up for the lost time. You're going to be jet lagging and be tired. So how are guys going to be able to rebound? Well, Xander Schauffele took two weeks off prior to even playing uh, playing in the Olympics and has taken, has taken weeks off prior to playing in this event as well. Um, most guys don't tend to travel uh, the week prior and play those events. They tend to actually go to Japan a week in advance, much like you see for events like in England for the Open. A lot of guys go weeks in advance, play like the Scottish Open, for example. Um, there are, I believe, 16 guys in the field last week who will be making the, making the track. It'll certainly be challenging. Look for those guys to have a little bit of a harder time. Tendency is players play worse when they go into Japan after playing the following week as they do the following week. When they leave Japan, they, they actually tend to play a lot better. So we'll see how, how that goes. But something to kind of keep in mind that I find extremely interesting. Now let's have some props, shall we, Ben? Go for it, buddy. Let's do it. Prop bet time brought to you by our friends over at Pickup. Play the headlines on your phone and get betting today. Now, 78 men in the field this week. Mm. Not a huge field, but it's also loaded. Shoffle is in town. Morikawa is in town. And, of course, the reigning champions, uh, Hideki Matsuyama and Tom Kim from last week, come into the game as well as some other big-time names. A lot of Asians in this field. It's, it's a big-time um, Asian tour spot. So you will see a lot of uh, lesser-known Asian players that will be featured. With that being said, do we see more Asian players or more Americans finishing in the top five? If you look at the betting odds right now, um, ironically, the top six players all have some sort of Japanese or Asian Asian descent. Uh, including Colin Morikawa and Xander Schauffele. They, they, they do have family, um, whether it be extended relatives or parents who who do hail from Japan or another um, Asian country. Do we see more Asians or Americans in the top five this week? I would venture to say more Asians. Um, not to spoil my beer money picks, but of um, four of my five are of asian descent so so are mine so <laughs> we're in agreement. that's you know and look i mean obviously look like you know some of them are like asian american you know yes. like you know um because colin morikawa he was born in the states correct yes. yeah just like uh xander shoffley was born in the states ricky fowler born in the states so uh but still if we're going off strictly just you know, either you know, you know, Asian descent. Yes, I would say more. Um, whatever it was, more Asians in the top five. In well, the questions posed more of like, like Colin Morikawa is considered an American. We'll see. That's where we differ in opinion. But I mean, I, I consider him like Asian American. Well, yes, but like he plays for Team USA. I'm saying like Asian would not play for Team USA in a Ryder Cup or Presidents Cup matchup, like Sanjay M. See, Asian. This, this is why you drive me nuts. You need to tell me these stipulations beforehand because then I sound like an idiot. It's fine. You, you know what? For shits and giggles, we'll go off of your off your idea. Asian descent, and I'm going to totally, totally agree with you. I think every guy in the top six, again, Shoffle, M, Matsuyama, Morikawa, Tom Kim, and then uh, the first non-Asian is technically Victor, Victor Hovland. Uh, he's Scandinavian. Uh, so <laughs> I will most certainly be seeing a lot of those guys uh, towards the top of the leaderboard. Bet number two, I mentioned this this par five or uh, par three. 
What will have a better scoring average? Now, of course, scoring average in layman's terms for this is a little weird because obviously you could have uh, you'd be averaging a birdie, which is four strokes on a par five or two strokes on a par three. But in terms of deviation from par, what will have the better scoring average? The five par threes or the three par fives? Five par threes or the, the three par fives. More of a deviation. Three par fives. Might I add also the par fives are all very gettable on this course, so you will see so you will see eagle opportunities to kind of even out the scoring here. Now, obviously, it's much easier there, to score birdies in a par three. There will be more deviation with the par fives. Okay. Because par threes, you're not trying to make birdies on par threes. It's generally generally unless it's a shorter par three, but generally it's kind of middle of the green two putt. You roll it in from 25, 30 feet. Great. If you don't, it's a two putt par. You just move on. So I would say more deviation with the par fives. I'm going to actually go against you for this, for the sole reason of competition here. Yeah, I think it will wind up being. Cause you're a difficult and you're a contrarian. Anyway, go ahead. Of course I am. Uh, this is my girlfriend says it every day. Uh, the five par threes, I think will be a little more of a fun deviation. A lot of guys are going to be going for birdies also towards the back end of the course. There are more par threes on the back nine than, than are the front. So scoring will be really important on the back, especially as you get closer into the weekend. Our third bet here and our, and our final one, Hideki Matsuyama, past champion and native of Japan, of course, representing his home and uh, probably actually probably is uh, the greatest Japanese golfer of all time. Uh, after all, winning the Masters is quite the, the mm -hmm. feat, feat being the first Asian to do it. So Hideki Matsuyama, over or under a top 10 finish, Again, he won last year, and I believe his records are, like, obscene on this golf course. Uh, so what do we think? Better or worse than a top 10 finish? Oh, he'll finish top 10. He will. He'll finish top no 10. Doubt. Look, he won last year. He's one of the best golfers in the world. Obviously, I, uh, for once, actually agree with you. He is the best uh, Japanese-born um, golfer in the history of golf. Uh, I firmly believe that. I believe the Masters. I mean, that guy has been destined for stardom since his time as an amateur oh yeah I, mean, I can't he was i just feel like he was always playing the masters uh as an am and he was just he was an amazing amateur player he burst on the scene on the pga tour um major champion still one of the in my opinion one of my favorite moments ever uh, in Masters history was his caddy bowing to the course, which I, I thought was, honestly, I almost started crying. And I always, for some reason, like, get emotional when the Masters comes around because it's the Masters. That probably sounds stupid. But, <laughs> no, but I, honestly, it was one of my favorite Masters moments of all time. It was just, like, the perfect ending to just a fantastic week of such a deserving, deserving and graceful champion, mind you. Um, so, yeah. Definitely a top 10 for that guy. He's a stud. Take it to the bank. Bet on it. So I think it's really interesting. Um, he said two very different results when he came to the Zozo. So his first time playing in 2019-2020, uh, he had gone to the, to the CJ Cup in America, well, finished, finished T3, went over um, a week prior to the Zozo. So, so he stayed home, played a skins event, uh, in Japan, finished fourth out of like 20 guys and then finished second at the Zozo only behind Tiger Woods. Mm -hmm. The following year, uh, again, played the Zozo in America. Um, doesn't really matter at all. Uh, but the following year, 
finished T59 at, at, the, at, the, at the CJ week later, one at the Zozo. Uh, he has not, he's not playing a event prior to this. I don't know if he's in Japan already. Uh, maybe he has been for the last week, but he did, but he only, he's only played the 40 net championship at uh, this year as, as well as the president's cup. So it's the first time he's actually having time off. It's also the first time he's playing and playing this event where he's had both a really good result in the week prior and a really bad result in the week prior. And we don't really know what, what to expect now. So, I think he's very clearly clearly assured for a top ten. I wanted to debate putting him top five here, but I felt like that was a little bit tight, especially considered the, considered the loaded field. Typically, the field is really good, but it isn't as loaded as it is this year. Again, there are um, I believe twenty top one hundred players in the world. That's the most that the, that's ever been at this event. Uh, but top ten, absolutely without a doubt, will most certainly um, be a thing. Taking one final break, come back. It's beer money time. Brought to you by our friends at Kenwood Beer. Do not go anywhere. We have a lot of really good bets. Starting the year off strong. Finally, my second week as I can finally prepare for some uh, some big-time bets. We'll see you in just a sec. The Get in the Whole podcast is also sponsored by our friends at Tomahawk Shades. The best in the business. You guys want a quality product for an affordable price. Our friends at Tomahawk Shades are providing you with the best blue light plus technology in the game and the most comfortable sunglasses that will ever grace your face. You don't want the sun getting in your eyes when you're about to tee off on hole number one to screw up your entire round of golf. That's why our friends at Tomahawk Shades are revolutionizing the sunglasses game to the nines. Head over to TomahawkShades.com right now and sign up for their rewards program. Start earning Hawk points today. When you sign up, you're getting points for free. You follow them on Facebook and Instagram through the site when you sign up for Hawk points. Easy money right there. You get points right off the bat. You celebrate a birthday like I do soon. Easy points right there. It's such an easy way to earn and it becomes free money for you to spend on Tomahawk Shades website. Guys, the sunglasses I wear each and every day only cost me $30. Why would you go and spend a whole two weeks paycheck on a pair of sunglasses when you can get the same quality for a fraction of the price? So head over to TomahawkShades.com right now and at checkout, use the code USP to save yourself 25% off your order. And if your order is over $75, it qualifies for free shipping. That's promo code USP at checkout to save yourself $25 off your order. And if that order is over $75, it qualifies for free shipping. And every dollar you spend translates into more Hawk points. TomahawkShades.com, promo code USP for a quality product at an affordable price. The field is stacked and the field is ready. It's time for some beer money. Brought to you by our friends over at Kenwood Beer, Philadelphia's number one light beer. Go cheer on the Philadelphia Phillies as Kenwood is the, is the our official sponsor of the, of the Philadelphia Phillies just for now until they wind up losing to the Braves, hopefully. Ben, five picks. The Zozo, I'm finally back in the seat after two weeks, and I have been dying to get my hands on some beer money plays. We'll start with you, though. 
Our top 20 pick at the Zozo Championship. Who do we got? Okay, this is this is the easily the most loaded field we've had since the new the beginning of the new season. So there were a lot of names to choose from. And it's actually when that happens, it's actually a lot harder to decide. Yep. Um, so for me, top 20, I'm going Tommy Fleetwood. Um, hasn't really played recently, but he's because of that, I would assume he's been over in Japan. He's like acclimated to the time change and whatnot. Look, strong player, beautiful golf swing. He's, in my opinion, one of the most underrated. You might agree on you might disagree with me. I think he's very underrated. I don't think he does he gets enough love because he's so consistent. Um, he's a model of consistency, in my opinion. So top 20 would take it to the bank. I think this course also sits, suits him very well. Um, tree-lined golf course, which for him as a really good ball striker and as a very good iron player with five par threes, that's also key for me. So top 20. My top 20 uh, is the only non-Asian descent player on my list this week. Ooh, uh, I'm, I'm, I, same with you? Yeah. I love it. All right, so we'll, we'll pair up here. I do think Fleet is actually an underrated player. I think because he was a very popular pick for a lot of people like before COVID, 2019-2020. And then he kind of had some dip-offs for a lot of for a lot of those casual fans who like bet on like major pools. Um, yeah. They always take Tommy Fleetwood, and, and he always flops for them. So I think that's why he, his name gets like a bad rep now. But yeah, no, no totally a very underrated player. Uh, my top 20 this week, a little conservative. Scott Stallings has finished top 20 in six of his last eight. He's plus 130 uh, to finish top 20 th this week. He's perhaps playing the best golf of his career right now. Um, he's been a pretty household name for the hardcore fan for years. Uh, was at one point a top 25 golfer in the world. I sort of dipped off a little bit, but this is really um, some intense golf that, 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 that he's been on. The putter's been really good. Um, would not surprise me whatsoever to see him finish top 20 once again. The fin to make it seven of his last nine. Um, and also, like I had mentioned, the rain is going to be a problem here uh, at the Zozo. It's been raining for weeks on end uh, as of late. So to have a guy who, who hits the ball as long as, as Stallings does will certainly help in terms of being able to, to, uh, to club down or club up. Uh, in certain situations. Top 10, Ben. All right. Top 10. Look, I've been on the Ricky Fowler train for a while. I'm going to go. You're laughing. And, you know, I, do, and you, I do laugh. Well, you do laugh because, you know, you're stupid. Whatever. Can, you know, I bet KB would agree with me because KB and I feel the same way about Ricky Fowler. It's comeback season, baby. Ricky Fowler. Top I hope it is. I hope it is, too, because he makes he makes the game of golf better. Trust me. I love Ricky. Um. No, Ricky Fowler, top 10. I think he's going to continue to build off of the success he's been having. Uh, now, once again, working with Butch. Look, that's when he played his best golf in his yeah. career. So I'm going to go Ricky Fowler, top 10. Uh, I'm taking the absolute like layup. The, the court's wide open. At this point, I'm playing uh, I'm playing in shoot-around. I'm taking Hideki. Um, I knew you were going to say that. He's minus 115, which is like kind of ridiculous uh, for someone as good as he is. Uh, and again, it's it's a layup pick. So I'll, I'll take it. I'll cash the free money. Thank you very much for playing. I Top five. Who do you got? I'd love to watch you play basketball. I feel like you'd miss every single layup. Top five. I'm a pass first point guard. Um, I don't shoot. 
<laughs> yeah, okay. Um, no, like, I, like, 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 I will have the ball wide open from 30 feet. I will not shoot it. Anyway, top five. I'm going to go Xander Shoffley. Uh, very strong player. Um, as all, I mean, he kind of has a little bit of that Tommy Fleetwood vibe where he's very consistent, very good golf swing, strong player. I'm going to go top five for Xander Shoffley. I'm joining you. I think Xander is going to be a perfect, perfect play at top five. Wow. And for all, for all the reasons that, that you mentioned and more, and again, he's plus 180 uh, to finish, to finish ahead. At that mark, he is the he is the betting leader, but I don't think that when he went into the Olympics and won in Japan, he was coming off the string of of, of incredible golf. The guy the guy hasn't played in a month, so I'm gonna kind of hold off the lever here and I'm gonna kind of let it let it slide. I think a top five is is, is more than enough. Before before we get into that winning pick, who's that gimme pick of the week? Who's bringing us the big money? I felt so stupid for not picking him this past week in anything in any of the categories for beer money until further notice. I'm just going to Kim is going to be part of one of the five categories for beer money for me. I haven't finishing top 15. I just felt so stupid for not including him in anything last week. He's so consistent and he's on this rise to becoming one of the next big, like international PJ tour superstars. And he's also so likable. Um, very strong player. Look, I only say top 15, which I'm sure that's a shoo-in, kind of like how Hideki's like a top 10 shoo-in, only because he has not recorded a bogey in his last 72 holes of competition, right? So that's bound to happen, okay? I'm going to go top 15, Tom Kim. I'm going to one-up you and take him top 10. Of course. No, I, 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 I've I had this pick down for literally – like I've had it down since Monday. Um, <laughs> since, 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 since last week. Like I've been like all over Tom Kim, and I've been waiting to put him in to, – to, to put him in these picks. Uh, watching him in the President's Cup, I was so – not appalled, but like shocked – at how composed he was, at how good he looked, and how against some of the best players in American golf history in the past 20 years, he was almost outshining them the entire time and matching them and sometimes even one-upping them. It was so impressive that I was like, I am going to fall in love with this kid. Also, the fact that he chose the name Tom because of Tom as the train engine was perfect. Tank engine. Sorry, Thomas the Tank Engine. I apologize. So, Thomas the Tank Engine is going to finish top 10 this week. He's plus 350. I think it's an absolute perfect pick. Um, and again, it, it's one of those like strike while the iron's hot things. Like, it's just like, it, like it's it's always going to be there. Um, it was like betting Tony Fino uh, two months ago. It's just going to keep on rolling. So, so I, I love Tom Kim here. Give me your winner. What do you got? All right. Plain and simple. Colin Morkow is my winner. Um, I think he's going to, I think he's going to strike early this year. I really do. Uh, he played well at the president's cup. Um, he's once again, a model of consistency. I truly believe he's going to get off on a really good foot this year, uh, to start off the 2022, 2023 season. 
I'm going to go top up. Uh, sorry. I'm going to go win for Colin Morikawa. I really wanted to, I really wanted to take someone like Colin. Um, I'm waiting for him to get back into that. What was it? That, 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 that 2020 like, turnaround form where it was like every single week he was, I believe one or two on the odds board. Uh, and the putters finally come back to him in the past three months. And it's shown um, a lot how he just meteorically climbed uh, the FedEx Cup's the FedEx Cup point list heading into the playoff. Um, but I'm not going to take Colin. Uh, I was looking at the odds board, and I was like, all right, do I go with the, with the safe pick, the guy who's like way up on the board, or do I look for the more value? And I had Colin's name. I had Tom Kim's name. Uh, I, I even had someone like Cam Davis, who I thought could win. Uh, I'm going to go with the second best player on the odds board. It's Sunjay M. I am infatuated by his game since the President's Cup as well. He's had some time to lay off. Played at Narasino Country Club when he was an amateur on the Asian Tour prior to him even joining up uh, on that end and has finished no worse than fifth in three attempts. Uh, his official world golf record uh, since, la since last July, second, second, 12th, 15th, second, seventh. Ridiculous numbers for Sanjay M. I think it's going to be a perfect, perfect conditions for him to go out, get a win, hits it long, hits it straight, and is one of the best bent grass putters on the planet this the, over the past 24 rounds of golf, which is a pretty lengthy amount of time. So plus uh, 900, I will absolutely take Sunjay M in this one. Ben, it's been a great show. Once again, any final thoughts that you have as we head into another great week in golf? Uh, no, I mean, just the fact that, you know, you, you refuse to show uh, John Rom any love. Totally fine by me. It's, it's okay. Um, it's fine. It was great to have you back. It was lovely. You know, I know I give you a lot of SHIT, but oh. it was great to have you back. And I love roasting you. Because you know, I, 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 I'll you off. Here's the thing KB, you can't roast him because not only is he our boss, he's also, he also makes sense with what comes out of his mouth. You don't. So it's really easy to roast you, and it's fun. It's fun. All right. Okay. Well, just like how you're Nike and I'm Under Armour, and you're a pro golfer, and I'm handsome, and you know, you're there, and I'm muscular, and you know, you're there, and you're handsome, and I have the face for radio, and <laughs> you're muscular and on top, and I'm muscular down low. My legs. I have like horse calves. You have no idea. Dude, I have um, big calves. Shut up. I'm, I'm sure you do. Well, bro, you fucking max out the uh, the Planet Fitness uh, leg press. Well, like 900 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Now, um, final thoughts here. I hope the Phillies get swept. I hope Zach Wheeler uh, just gets absolutely dominated and leaves the Phillies ne next year and joins back up with Stevie Cohen. Is he uh, a free agent? I think he is. Um, I hope Aaron Judge joins the Mets. I hope that Manny Machado falls into a lake. Um, there, there, there are a lot of things that I am wishing for, uh, and I'm hoping that the New York Mets can come back from a 100-win from season. That was a pitiful way to lose and, um, and shove, it up, shove it up Manny Machado's rear end uh, next year in the playoffs. That's all I've got. Thank you, folks, for joining us in for another great show. Again, the whole podcast finally back. In the saddle after two weeks away. I was so happy uh, to get back in things. That's been Pierre. I'm Steve McAvoy. We'll see you next week after Japan. 
We come back home to the States. The CJ Cup is going to be another great week. What do you got? The candle going? Yeah, 100%. Good for you, bro. Well, what scent is it? Uh, you know, it's really, that's a very good question. My mom got it for me, and I don't know. It's Zen flavored. That's going to do it all, all for us here on the Get Low Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And of course, go follow, subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Google, wherever you can get your podcasts and Spotify as well. Uh, and of course, follow Ben and I on social media. I'm at Steve McAvoy underscore, and that's Ben at BC Piero. No, Piero underscore Ben, you dingus. Shit. What? It's literally on the, the thing that's... Bye. Wave bye. Thanks for listening to Get in the Hole, the official golf podcast of Underground Sports Philadelphia. Catch us every week wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and be sure to like and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Get in the Hole Pod, and follow Underground Sports Philadelphia at Underground PHI. We'll see you next time, and remember... Get in the hole!